0: Once again to Chicago Unbelievable. Back after our long absence, Uh, with me as usual is Hector Reyes. Bonjour. And Aaron Pischke.
1: Hello.
0: All right, we are today at Mount Carmel Cemetery. Over on the opposite end of the graveyard from us is uh, Al Capone. Elsewhere in the cemetery is pretty much all of the other major gangsters from Chicago. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Just. (laughs) There's actually in like 1925 when I think it was Mike Jenna was killed from the Jenna Brothers gang. Yeah. This was the day of, like, huge gangster funerals where, you know, there would be, you know, a mile-long procession, tons and tons of trucks just full of flowers. And
1: they were trying to outdo each other. Yeah, everybody
0: was trying to outdo each other with, you know, massively expensive coffins and everything. And there was even a thing, um, in 25 when Mike Jenna was being buried, uh, Genevieve Forbes Herrick, the Tribune crime reporter, overheard somebody saying, uh... Well, there's Mike Jenna, over there's Dino Banion, and there's uh, Mike Merlot from the Union Siciliana. When Judgment Day comes and them graves is opened up, there's going to be hell to pay in this cemetery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was before Al Capone was there, or Vinny the Schemer Drucci, or Machine Gun Jack McGurn, or various victims of the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Um, uh, well, the thing we're here to talk about today is uh, something that I've been researching very heavily. I think... Uh, Hopefully, the same day this podcast comes up, there will be an article about it on the Order of the Good Death,
1: uh, which <laughs> is uh, it's an name. it's an
0: organization for uh, easiest way to describe it to people. It's for young hip morticians, That's which awesome. is much bigger a subset than you think. You might have seen the uh, Ask a Mortician that uh, YouTube series that Caitlin does. Um, Really cool stuff. Um, but one thing, I've, I'm just, uh, also in September, I've got a new book coming out through Llewellyn called uh, Ghosts of Chicago. It's basically a collection of all the great Chicago ghost stories, plus a few uh, recently uncovered ones. And I made it a real goal to trace all the stories that I could back to their original source, and also to try to find new information about it. I mean, we got some great new information. I got some fantastic information about Judy Huff-Feltz's uh, photograph at Bachelor's Grove of the woman on the gravestone. I interviewed her at length for it. Uh, one thing, though, that I, that I didn't start researching until too late, I didn't get some of the information until too late to put it in the book, was the famous Italian bride at whose grave we are now standing. Heck, Hector, you want to describe what it looks like up here?
1: I'm actually going to take a picture real quick. Uh, Basically, it's a picture of. There's two pictures on it. There's one of uh, her and her wedding dress, which was recreated quite magnificently, I might add. Yeah. uh, As a statue. Unfortunately, the statue is a little bit more deteriorated because it's from
0: 19. 20, where is it? 1921. 1921. Yeah, well, she, she died in 21. The statue went up in 27.
1: Yes, but the, what's, what's more interesting is the fact that uh, there's also a <laughs> picture on it of her in her casket. And apparently her casket uh, was opened six years later uh, because of uh, a nightmare that her mother was having. So why don't you go and describe what yeah. that was all about. In,
0: in the photograph here, the, the, the tombstone is a very elaborate grave. Um it's a very large stone slab topped by four stone urns full of flowers that are regularly filled. Uh, Julia has yeah. quite a fan base in um, Chicago. By the
1: way, very fake flowers. These are soap flowers. Oh yeah. <laughs> these aren't these aren't real. Right. At all. Uh <laughs> a, a
0: couple of them are a couple of them are real and there's a fresh American flag I guess for Memorial Day. And well above that what? massive slab uh, <laughs> what? 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 Well, I know she wasn't really, you know, I don't know if she ever even got US citizenship. Uh off the top of my head. There's
1: also some uh, coins
0: on the top of it as well. Yeah, people leave coins. It's, it's another one of those places where people are known to dig up bits of dirt. Yeah, um, there's an Yeah, above, right? above, that, above the large slab is a smaller slab, and on top of that is a life-size statue. Uh, the smaller slab here says, Filomena Bacola, remembrance of my beloved daughter, Julia, age 29 years, with a photograph of Julia in her wedding dress, uh, the one that is recreated in the statue. Then down below on the bigger slab, it's got the large name Bacola... And the photograph of Julia in her coffin. And we can see what well, the mar- remarkable thing about it is that she looks in very good shape.
1: Very, very all, good
0: all thing, shape. For, for all things considered, she's, uh, it's still recognizably the face of Julia. It's not a skeleton or anything. And then down beneath that image, uh, it says, Cesta fotografia presco dopo six anni morta. Which is Italian and translates into this photograph taken six years after death. So, Julia died in 1921. This photograph of her in her coffin, in which she's still fairly recognizable, mm-hmm. is uh, would have been taken six years after her death in 1927. Mm-hmm. Uh, the legend has always gone around that her mother, Philomena, whose name appears above, um, was having nightmares and spent six years trying to have her daughter's grave exhumed after her death. And when they finally did exhume the body, they found that it was uh, perfectly well preserved and that caused this monument to be erected. Uh, down, there's actually another, uh, bit of information on the back if you guys want to walk around behind it here. Over on the other side, and this is not as well known, um, huh. it has another, uh, slightly better shape picture of Julia in her wedding dress. This is the same photo, but in slightly better shape, uh, fired onto the porcelain. And it says, Filomena Bacola, offro questo dono a mia cara figlia Julia de anni 29. Uh, this is all spelled, and uh, Julia is here spelled G-I-U, and Filumina is spelled with a U here, uh, which would have been, I guess, how they spelled it in Italy. Yeah. Um, and that translates to roughly, Filumina Bacola, I offer this gift to my dear daughter Julia, age 29. Now, the story has always gone around, well, it is, of course, we are right across the street from two different high schools here. Uh, stories, of, we can, you can actually see the statue from dr- the road just driving by. It's yes. right, near the, right near the gate on Harrison Street when you first come into the cemetery. So it's an easy thing to attract attention. It's not just out in the middle someplace. Um, the stories of Julia's ghost haunting the cemetery are fairly well in, in good circulation and go back to the ni- at least the 1970s. Yeah. Uh, I talked a while ago to Pamela Banos, who runs the... Uh, Hidden Truths website about City Cemetery. She went to the high school across the street, of course. and she said she, she said there were definitely stories about her haunting. Usually, she was said to appear on her wedding night, which, which is, is uh, right around right now. Actually, okay. it was in June. I'm gonna have to check the uh, I'm gonna have to check my files. It was uh, right around this time in June. Huh. Um, today might I don't think today is the anniversary. I want to say it was the 11th, and today is what the 9th. Yes. I will have to check my files a little bit. In fact, why don't, why don't I run over and look at my... and grab my uh, grab my file. Hector, you want to talk to the people for a second?
1: Uh, probably Hector not. Hector, Aaron, uh, tell, uh, <laughs> tell us what, what's been up with you, man. Uh, what's been up with me? <laughs> no, we're not doing that. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and walk around the, uh, the gravesite. Because yeah. um, there's also... If, if you go if you are specifically looking for this gravesite, you're going to want to look... It's between the Moscato and... The, La Manas uh gravesite, which is mad, which is huge, yeah. and then the uh, Gliado uh, gravesite. But well, Really, if you're looking for it, it's going to be hard to miss. It's kind of the biggest thing. Yeah, here. it is. It is pretty much the biggest thing here. I so. find it really interesting that it has that this gravestone has does not have her married name on it. It has her her, her, maiden, uh, name. her maiden name. Yeah. yeah,
0: that's correct. Her uh, yep. married name. She married a man named Matthew Peta. In 1921, <laughs> and all right, I got I got. I, I, I keep all of this in one file, yeah. so it might take a little while to load on my Evernote account here. So let me guess: um, is
1: uh, her mom wasn't appro- wasn't uh, very approval of uh, that's, the new husband? That's generally
0: <laughs> yeah. That's, that, that, that this is kind of where the mystery comes in is we don't really have a lot of data about uh, like primary source data about when and where the exhumation took place or why it took place. Right. The story about nightmares started circulating years and years later. Mm -hmm. Um, And usually I would think you can't really get a body exhumed based on somebody having nightmares. No, it's it's, uh, a long process. It's a a long and difficult process uh, in general. The easiest way to have a body exhumed usually is if you're having it moved Mm -hmm. to a new location, like to a family plot.
1: Which they did. And
0: and that's that's what I initially wondered if maybe she was originally buried under the name Julia Petta. And perhaps when Matthew remarried later on, uh-huh. which he did, um, perhaps uh, Philomena was furious and had her daughter moved. That was that was my assumption. Well, from what we can tell from the cemetery records, uh, she's always been in this site, though. Mm-hmm. She, uh, has always been in this site. Uh, let's see. All right, I do have a copy of her marriage certificate in here. Mm-hmm. Um... Anyway, what we do know, from, from what we've been able to dig up, I've done a lot of research on this, I've been talking to the family and everything, and we just missed the anniversary. They were wedding, they were married on June 6th. Okay. So.
1: Okay, I'm standing at exactly the spot where it looks like the statue is looking right at me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even, hold on, hold on, Aaron, stand right here okay. and then look up at the statue. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: That's a spot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Right you are. Yeah.
1: Uh Grab your microphone real quick. All right, so... I'm going to take a picture of this.
0: Okay. So, Julia and her mother, Philomena, came over from Palermo, Italy, in 1913. Uh, Her brothers, uh, Henry and George... Henry and Joseph were already, in Chicago, were already in Chicago. They'd come over the course of the last 15 years or so. Julia's father had died in Italy. And according to the family, that left Philomena a very bitter woman and very dependent on her children. She never seems to have worked. She just lived in her lived with her children for the rest of her life, shuffling back and forth. And like a lot of people, now suddenly their names were, you know, they were citing their names Joseph and Henry, not Giuseppe and Enrique. Right. Um, and this was always hard for people to deal with, especially the older women who were not as interested in becoming... Uh, Jane Addams' favorite term was Americanized, right. and that's a little out of date now, but it was, uh, it was what they would have used, certainly, mm. back then. Um, another interesting thing is one story that we tell all the time in Chicago is in 1913, in September, a rumor went around the neighborhood, especially in the Italian community that a devil baby was being hidden at Whole House. Yes. And uh, it was the old women especially who really, really got into this. This suddenly gave them leverage. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, they were, these were old women who were now unable to speak the same language as their grandchildren, neglected by their own children. Some of them had horrible stories of being abused. This was like something, in the ah, you're in my territory now. Right. And that started going around Whole House as near as we can tell around September of 1913. Uh, According to the passenger list, Julia and Philomena arrived in New York in August of 1913.
1: So they would have come to Chicago
0: almost (laughs) exactly when that story was going around. It's tempting for me to imagine a scenario where Philomena made that story up. And that perhaps she was the, uh, the instigator of more than one Chicago- great Chicago legend. Uh, I'm not saying that's what actually happened. It's just difficult for me not to imagine okay. things like this. Uh, I'm going
1: to go ahead and say I'm saying.
0: Okay. Ben well, Hector will, I, Hector will I certainly Hector will certainly say that, that Philomena invented the story of the, the, the devil, devil baby. baby. <laughs> yes. Um, I was
1: coming from home house because she knew that Jane Adams was a lesbian. <laughs> Because if you didn't know she was a lesbian, then yeah, you weren't paying attention. Yeah, to Jane it's, Adams. She was Yeah, it's awesome, you know. yeah, there's you know it's <laughs> one
0: of those things where documentary evidence is a little bit lacking, so it's yeah. it's not necessarily responsible historically to say that she and Mary Roget Smith were lesbian partners, but almost everybody thinks that they were. Yeah, and and, and it's, it's there's it, no there's no major debate about. And
1: seriously, this. it would be the Great American Love Story. Yeah, yeah, it, it would. Be.
0: Mm-hmm. It's something I, I when I, I tell the story a lot on the tour of. Um, the night that Jane Adams and her partner, Mary Roger Smith spent a night in what they called the haunted room. And it's always interesting to see who asked the question later when you say partner,
1: uh-huh. um,
0: it's always teenagers who ask that almost invariably. Yeah. Well, they spent the and night
1: in the same bed. Yeah. Which they always, which
0: they always did really. Um, yeah. this is an oblique reference. She and her partner, Mary spent exactly one night in the room in the middle of the night. Adams woke up hearing a rustling sound and said, Mary, is that you? But Mary was still in the bed with her. <laughs> and so, and then, and then apparently Jane looked down and saw a woman in a rustling dress, which I guess would probably look not unlike Julia does here in the statue right in front of us. Yeah. Um, anyway, that, that would have been uh, well before any of the Julia stuff happened, though. The place was already thought to be haunted before Jane Addams moved in. But anyway, back to this. Um, so, Julia and Philomena joined, um, joined their family in Chicago. Mm-hmm. They lived over in what we would now call the Ukrainian Village. The house where Julia and Matthew lived after they got married is still standing. It's near Huron and Western. Uh, I was able to find that from the death certificate. What really uh, shocked me about the death certificate is one of my favorite research stories yet. Is on the death certificate, it mentions that it it mentions the name of the undertaker. Well, you know, that was pretty standard. The undertaker would uh, sign the death certificate. And what freaked me out is the Undertaker's name. I knew an Undertaker. We call a funeral directors now, but I know one of that exact same name. He hangs out at the same coffee shop I do. <laughs> so I I, I stayed the, I stayed late at the coffee shop, just lying in wait for him to show up the next day. Ah. And uh, you know, he said he they definitely knew the story of uh, Julie, and they knew that her their the company it's still it was his grandfather's business. It's okay. still in business now at the same location. So he's not immortal. <clears throat> no, he's not immortal or anything. <laughs> but um, yeah, they they knew the story and they knew that they had prepared Julia's body in 1921 when she passed away.
1: And did a hell of a job.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And they couldn't find any new records. Well, one of the big uh, points of contention about Julia is whether she died on her wedding night or died in childbirth. And for a long time, the only real primary source data we had on what Julia was like was in the 1970s, a woman came on Richard Crowe's tour. And I guess Richard actually used to take people out here on his tours back in the 70s. Yeah, back when he was uh, alive. Yeah, back when he was first doing these things. And he had a woman on the tour who said Julie, I, she knew Julia when she was alive, mm-hmm. and Julia was a saint. She had died a virgin on her wedding night, and one day she would be declared a saint. And according to this woman, you have to be uh, a virgin to be a saint. Which wasn't... It's not exactly accurate. I mean, St. Augustine, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but... Uh, that, so that was about the only data, but it, it's flat, it was flatly incorrect. Um, Julia and her husband were married in June 6th of 1920. And Julia died on St. Patrick's Day the following year, almost exactly nine months later. After what we can assume was probably a fairly eventful honeymoon period. Yeah. After the wedding. Um... Now, this is where the data gets a little bit tricky. Um, it was a couple of years later after that that Henry and Joseph Bacola got fed up with the Chicago weather and moved to Los Angeles. Um, another of another, the, the other daughter, Julia's sister, stayed in Chicago. And it seems that for the rest of her life, Philomena went back and forth living between, living between Chicago and Los Angeles with her children. Um, they kind of shuffled her back and forth. Uh, I, I initially said it was it was wonderful. Unlike the women at uh, Hull House, who were so horribly neglected by their families that Julia, that Filomena was cared for and even indulged by her children, uh, the family kind of cautioned me against saying cared for. <laughs> um, uh, the The general impression that the family had was that Philomena was kind of a terror. She was a very dominating and bitter old woman. Uh, her religiousness was not really shared entirely by the family. in fact, uh her granddaughter flora she shared a bedroom with her granddaughter, Flora, who had just died a number of years ago, uh, just just died not too long not too terribly long ago but uh, Flora grew up recounting the story that she 'd be sharing a room with Philomena and in the middle of the night, Philomena would be loudly play, praying the Rosary over and over. And Flora would shout, shut up, Nana! (laughs) (laughs) But according to the family, the uh, nightmares didn't start immediately. They started around 1925 or 26, around the time that Flora first moved to California. And it was Henry, her other son, who was persuaded to pay for the exhumation and then to pay for the monument. They had it sculpted in Italy and shipped over. At a massive cost. Yeah, um,
1: wow. Hand. Wait. What? This was. No. <laughs> yeah.
0: This was sculpted in Italy by Italian craftsmen and sh- sent over from there. The number that everyone seems to remember, without actually having a source, it's widely thought that it was uh, sometime around, um, sometime around, somewhere around ten thousand dollars that they spent on this. Um, and. Yeah, uh, yeah, in 1920s money. Henry's, Henry's wife, Anna, was absolutely furious about this. And this is part of why the uh, family never really talked about it thereafter, because it was a big source of contention in the family. It caused right. a lot of friction. And there were some vague memories of Henry sitting at the table lamenting, if only we had that money, we'd be set for life. And whether he was actually talking about this is kind of unknown, but it was a large sum of money, and there's not a lot else that anyone could think that it might be.
1: No, no, no. It's so, I, it, I, it, you. You could look at this monument and know and, that's what they were talking about. Yeah, it
0: was a very clearly a very expensive thing. We got some some company has joined us, I believe. So we step out of the side? Um, another family is drawn up. See, uh, it really is well known in Chicago folklore. So, <laughs> uh, somebody has pulled up, and they're just kind of nodding at us, um, looking at the same thing. And as now All right, so we, um, rejoining you here, the, uh, the guests who joined us wanted to see the monument. They've they'd heard about it for years, and uh, they didn't want to be a part of the podcast, though. So anyway, I think we were talking about it. It cost about $10,000 to build this, yes. and it created a lot of friction. And after that, the story kind of peters out. Um, most of the people who would have been present at the exhumation, presumably like Philomena and Henry, are the most likely candidates for having actually been present. Uh, they both died in the mid-1940s. Right around the same time, really. Uh, Henry died a little bit before Philomena did. She outlived uh, almost all of her children.
1: Um, am I the only person that's feeling uneasy?
0: I am feeling a little uneasy now. Yeah, yeah this guess. is. Yeah, I'm trying to be as respectful as I possibly can, uh, but I'm, I'm also it's 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 difficult to tell the story of how the family remembered Philomena without kind of bashing Julia's mom here. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's true. Well, oh. the, the thing about it is that uh, as we as I mentioned uh, as we were talking earlier. Mm. Um, the fact that uh, you have this huge monument for Julia, and then you only uh, hinted at the fact that just over to the left. Yeah,
0: just over to the left is Philomena's grave is an unmarked space about five or six feet over to the left of here. It's an unmarked space. She died in Los Angeles, and I guess her son Joseph, her last surviving child, uh, had her sent back here. Uh, there's no monument to her there. It's an unmarked grave, but six feet away is this monument that has uh, Philomena Bacola's name on there twice, mm-hmm. as well as the name Bacola a third time, which, um, that's, that's, which is more than Julia's own name is on there. Right. Uh, Julia's name at the time was Julia Peta. Now, her husband, Matthew... Um, how he responded to this is totally not recorded. It's likely that there was some friction between him and Philomena. A lot of people say that Philomena blamed him for her daughter's death. Uh, it's generally agreed by the family that she didn't approve of any of her children's marriages. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think it was Henry who married a Venezuelan woman. Wow. Which, uh, <laughs> and that led <laughs> to some interesting, interesting thing. There's an interesting story about, I think it was when Flora was about four years old, she was still not speaking. And there was a little bit of worry, especially on Henry's part, that back in Italy there had maybe been some inbreeding among the Bacola family. He himself was missing, had like, was missing a couple of fingernails as a result. But it turned out she, well, there was nothing wrong with Flora mentally under any circumstances. Um, what it turned out is that she hadn't been able to learn any one language because there were four of them spoken in her house, household. There was English, Spanish, uh, Italian, and Filomena's own very thick Sicilian dialects, which was effectively a whole fourth language. And the doctor uh, insisted that they just switch to using one language. This is probably also uh, adding friction to, to Philomena's life, is that Henry's wife, Anna, insisted that it just be English from here on out. And that's what... Uh, Flora grew up able to understand Italian. Um, she didn't really speak it all that fluently. And the, the, the family now does not speak Italian anymore. Most of them are not practicing, I guess they're not practicing Catholics now. And I don't think even even within their lifetime, uh, shortly before his own death, Henry appeared as a witness at his niece's wedding, which I guess was at a Masonic temple. Uh, something called the uh, Temple of Light Institution of the Masters, which sounds, it's hard to Google that, but it's. Uh, it sounds Masonic to me. Very and so, you know, this what, what happened with Julia certainly didn't influence the whole family to become devout Catholics for all time after this. Uh, Matthew Petta, well, so anyway, there's also a story from the family that Philomena felt horribly guilty about Julia because she had refused to let her see a doctor. And her house, where she was living, as near as we can tell, um, I think there's like a, a missing space in the 1920 census records that are available online. But from what I can tell, she was living like right around the corner. Uh, with the family from Julia and Matthew, and still, you know, well known as a domineering influence among the family, so it, it's quite possible she might have tried to stop her from having, stop her from being a doctor. Whether that's actually true or not is hard to tell, but she certainly felt guilty. As for Matthew, well, we do know, well, we do know. We can clear one thing up that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, she died in childbirth. Uh, I have the baby's name, and it's one of those things I I don't feel it's a good idea to print. If, if you're if you're the kind of person who does this research, you can find it out without too much trouble. Um, a few years later, uh, Matthew did remarry to, an, to a woman from Iowa, and Matthew at that time, by the 1940s, he eventually started a tavern on Clark Street, which he ran until his death. It was right near, like, uh, Clark and Division, called Maddie's Inn, ah,
1: okay. and,
0: but he and his wife had a couple other children, one of whom was a boy who was given the same name as the uh, child who died with Julia. Uh, which at the time, which nowadays, you know, naming a kid after your uh, four, your previous dead children sounds rather creepy nowadays. But it's also not entirely unheard of even now. And it, back at the time, it would have been thought of as uh, charming. Charming and adorable, I believe. Um, but that uh, son is actually still alive now. I haven't gotten in contact with him. I don't have an email address for him or anything. I do know he's still alive down in Florida. Uh, it, this all happened after, you know, when he was... At most, when he was just a baby, this happened. Right. Uh, whether he even knows that his father was married before is kind of a question mark.
1: <laughs> the matter is, is that, that's something. That's something that we should uh, research and contact him possibly. Before.
0: Possibly, yeah. If he had an email address, I might send like a, a little note saying, "Hey, do you realize your father uh, was part of Chicago? Is part of Chicago folklore?" And see if he wants to know more.
1: Matthew Petta. Uh,
0: Matthew Petta was the husband.
1: In his case, Coach Petta, because he's a coach, he was a former coach.
0: Yeah, uh, the well, no, Matthew Petta was the husband. The, the son had a different name. But yeah, it would be Coach Petta for years. He was a high school basketball coach. Um, well,
1: it's interesting that not only do, is her married name not on the monument, right. but there's no mention of the baby.
0: No, there's like, no mention of the all. baby either. The, yeah. cem- the cemetery records do say that there's an infant buried on the same plot. Um, and that, that is not visible in the coffin that was opened in 1927, really. Now, I, I'm not sure that I would say that her, uh, that she's in perfect condition. If you look at the photographs, her arm seems rather bloated. But also, as Erin, as you pointed out, she died of eclampsia, which mm-hmm. is what it says on the death certificate. Uh, tr- complications due to childbirth. She probably would have been very bloated too. Yeah, she would have been.
1: She would and, have her arms and legs, especially, would have been uh,
0: a little swollen. Right, and whether whether the body remained in this condition after the coffin was open, there are, there are a lot of accounts where they open a perfectly preserved coffin and then find out that uh, as soon as they touch it, it just withers away to dust. Mm-hmm. And you know it might look perfect when they open it, but as soon as somebody touches it, it's like those Indiana Jones movies where guys just crumble to the dust. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: They sound a little bit morbid, but I'm kind of curious as to what stage she's in right now. Yeah,
0: everybody everybody wonders what she would look like yeah. now. Uh, there are various conditions uh, known. I think adipoker is the correct term. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's generally referred to as grave wax, or uh, an author named Beth best Lovejoy just referred to it as corpse cheese. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> <So nice>. <laughs> but, <laughs> Yeah, but there are stories Mm, about Julia. Yeah, there are. I'd say it's inevitable that there are stories about Julia haunting the graveyard, especially with high schools nearby. Apparently, one day in the 1970s, there was a dance going on over a proviso. Uh, Word went through the high school that her ghost was walking in the cemetery. Everybody ran out of the dance and came out to look for the ghosts.
1: Why, why would she haunt the cemetery? That's a good that's... question.
0: Well, that's a, that's a thing. Normally, by mo- with most of the pseudoscientific theories, we expect ghosts to haunt the places where they actually died. Mm-hmm. But then again, every funeral home, every graveyard is supposed to have ghosts in it. Hold on, time out. So. Sure.
1: Here, here's a thought. What if it's actually not Julia that's haunting the graveyard? What if it's actually Philomena?
0: That could be interesting. Well, it's, it would be very difficult to mistake the two. Yeah. Uh, Philomena, I'd, I can't imagine, would have been buried in her wedding dress. No. She would, and, be wearing,
1: she would be insisting on be, being uh, buried in a white dress.
0: Probably I so, yeah, I can, I can see that. The only um,
1: thing, the only thing that I'm thinking is because we, we've already talked about how the monument doesn't have her married name or any mention of her child. Mm. So if perhaps there is some unrest regarding the, the monument itself, mm. that mm. may be a reason for her to stick around here. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's, a, that's a good point. That's that's a possibility. I don't, I don't think, especially by the time mm. of Philomena's death, she would have been in, well into her 80s. So I, I, I would imagine her being hard to mistake. And if um, very shortly, hopefully the same day as this, it's going to, we're going to have the big article on the order of the good, the good death. I'm also going to put a lot more information, a whole uh, Bacola family timeline onto uh, chicagounbelievable.com. And there'll be some photographs. We now have some photographs from the family of Filomena herself and of Henry and Joseph. Really to see those. Yeah. And uh, there's a fantastic picture of Filomena with baby Flora, which would have been taken in Chicago, right around, right around the time of the exhumation, within a year or two. Now we don't really know when the nightmares started, but it does seem to be generally agreed by the family that uh, the reason that they that Filomena wanted Julia exhumed was because she was having some sort of nightmares about her. <laughs> But yeah, there's still a lot of open questions here that uh, I think anybody who could have definitively answered them has died long ago. Um, we don't really know how they got permission, whether they got Matthew's involvement. I would imagine they would need Matthew's permission to have Julia exhumed. Yeah, I would assume as much. And if it was right around the time of his remarriage, I can imagine him granting that kind of permission. You I'm
1: know. realizing something. We're not even mentioning uh, Julia's father, Philomeno's husband.
0: Uh, he, he had died in Italy. He
1: died in Italy? Yeah. And there's no information on him at
0: all. Very little information about him that I have. Um, what we do know from the family is that his death left Philomena a very bitter woman. Very bitter and overly, dis- overly dependent on her children, they say. Okay. Well, I imagine he's buried back in Palermo. So, yeah, that is the story, as near as we can piece together, of Julia Bacolapetta, uh, who died in childbirth in 1921 and uh, six years later, for reasons that are not entirely established yet, uh, they managed they were, uh, how or why they were able to do it, we haven't established, but her body was exhumed. In the photograph, you can see some fresh dirt behind the coffin, indicating that the story is true. She was, in fact, exhumed. Uh, the coffin itself is not in particularly good shape in the photograph either. It, it looks like one that has been buried, not the one is that is just about to be buried for the first time yeah. in the photograph. So there's every reason to believe that the exhumation did actually happen, and that Julia was in fact in really reasonably good shape when they opened up the coffin. And the way I'm in the article is, you can just you, you think of all of the uh, all the women around Hull House, who were thinking, uh, "Finally, you're in my territory now." When they heard about the devil baby. Now, can you just imagine the look on Philomena's face when the coffin was opened and Julia looked like this in it? Now, What, what do you think was going through her mind? Now, I, I kind of imagine like triumph high. You've, you've, been, you know, you've been arguing with me saying I'm just a crazy old woman, but look, you're in my territory now.
1: And she was still so, a crazy old
0: woman. Yeah, well, <laughs> the, the family. The, it didn't convince the family that she wasn't just a crazy old woman, I guess. But it was a victory in her mind. It certainly would have been a victory in her mind, yes. And so she spent the next uh, nearly 20 years moving back and forth between Chicago and Los Angeles. Uh, she was in Chicago as of both the 1930 and 1940 census, but I, I think she, I get the impression she spent most of her time in Los Angeles with Henry and his better, family.
1: Better
0: weather. Yeah, better weather for her. <laughs> but, you know, I guess maybe she just couldn't stay away from poor Julia. Mm-hmm. And now she's resting uh, just a few feet away from here. Uh, a few feet away from the monument that bears her name twice yeah certainly there's a lot well, I, I imagine I don't know if that's uh, exclusive to this particular grave that there are so many ants yeah I can see an ant crawling over yeah, on Gliato yeah and the next one over. This is a wonderful cemetery to walk around. And, uh, Julius is not the only one that has a photograph on it. Yeah. I notice, um, just the ones next to her, the, uh, Moscato and La Mana families. There's a photograph of Anthony here. There's a photograph of Constantina Moscato, who died in 1917. And, oh, this is a Concetta Moscato, who died, uh, just before her 20th birthday from the looks of things was a photograph of her as well pretty fired girl. into the porcelain. pretty porcelain. pretty girl. Um this is the thing though. It doesn't it, it almost looks to me like that was a photograph taken after, after her death, death as well.
1: Yeah, that's what I was saying. I was thinking
0: that um, as well. <coughs> there's a number of the photographs around here. Well, it was a very common thing to take photographs and you know, a postmortem photography was a real thing back then. Mm-hmm. In a lot of cases there might not have been another photograph of the people. Mm-hmm. And uh, both uh Constantina and Anthony Moscato, the ones right next to Julia, look look like studio portraits, mm. yeah. but Consetta Moscato, not quite so much. Let me get a photograph of that one, just yeah. to, just to have it on the blog.
1: Yeah,
0: poor Consetta. I wonder if she died in childbirth as well. And one thing I noticed when I was at the looking through the cemetery records recently is I couldn't uh, I couldn't actually find the Moscatos in the records. What? Um, to figure out which, which plot numbers these were, I, they, it just wasn't coming up. Maybe I should have looked under La Mana, which is here as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, Julia is listed as being in Space 5. Uh, Philomena is over here in Space 8, uh, where we're standing right now. So in the wait, space. were they related? Uh, Moscato's? I don't, they I don't believe so, no. I think that was just the closest space to Julia that was still available at the time of Philomena's death. Yeah. Well this this would have been these these two also these would have been buried before Julia. So there was never I guess there was never in Ju in Philomena's uh, lifetime actually a space right next door to mm-hmm. Julia's. This well, is the closest see. they he was could get. Oh yeah, the yeah, uh, Anthony Moscato would not He's have been there 22. just yet. He was yeah. he died in twenty two.
1: Have you noticed the uh this right here? Yeah. Oh right there, the yes, the yeah,
0: yeah. There's a concrete slab underneath uh, that is visible, peeking out a little bit underneath uh, the larger slab of the bo- the base of Julia's monument. I'll send you a picture of that. All of right. Picture, and that yeah, and I, I yeah, it's I, I imagine that's probably just a standard part of installing a sculpture this size. Yeah. Uh, to have a base like that, not have it not so so that this itself will not sink totally into the ground. But you gotta wonder if maybe if. A, I wonder if Julia's original plaque is underneath there someplace. Probably. That'd be interesting. Yeah. It probably has her
1: maiden name. Or Pro- her uh, Probably her married age. name, yeah. yeah. It
0: might very well. Um, that would be, you know, obviously we're no, nobody's going to have this thing moved. Um, yes. Nothing short of an earthquake could probably do it. Yeah. Um, Careful what you wish for. Right, right. <laughs> well, I've been thinking about that about the couch tomb this entire time. <laughs> Every other dream I have is about getting into the couch tomb. Usually, it's bigger on the inside in my dreams.
1: Uh, yeah, because in your dreams, it's actually a TARDIS.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, actually, that's another thing that is going to be on the blog very shortly. Um, I was going to wait until the new book comes out since there's some pictures in it, but there's, uh, we've got some photographs of the inside of the couch tomb now. Um, those? Well, used some. Really high-tech, there's a crack underneath the door. Which I know about. Yeah, and using some really high-tech equipment called the Tomb Snooper 500, uh, which is, uh, <laughs> it's an iPhone taped to a wire hanger. <laughs> we were able to get some pictures of what's behind the door. It turns out behind the door is another door. So, uh I feel like I've passed level one, but not level two.
1: Behind that door is another door. Right. Behind that is a little doll. It says, I'm sorry, your princess is in another castle. castle. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All right, well,
0: on on that note, quick plug for the Ghost of Chicago book. I'll be signing copies at the American Library Association's convention in Chicago on, uh, I think it's Sunday, I think it's June 30th at 1 o'clock at the Llewellyn booth. Uh, The book will officially be released with all typos corrected in September. Um, there it was, it was a little too late to get the photograph of Filomena into the book, so that will be on the web page where we'll have... Uh, my page will have this long history of the Bacola family. There will be photographs and everything. And then on the Order of the Good Death site, we'll have a big article about uh, Julia Bacola-Petta, the Italian bride of Chicago. Hector, you look like you have something else to add. I do not
1: have something else. I'm just, just feeling uneasy.
0: Yeah. Oh. All right, well, thank you for joining us once again. This has been Chicago Unbelievable. I am Adam. I am Hector. And I'm Aaron. All right, thank you very much. Hopefully, we'll see you again. Hopefully, it won't be another really long time before we talk to you guys again. So, hopefully, we'll see you soon.